Good Monday morning. I'm Dory Nutt. I'd like to invite you to join me today in the Sundial Writer's Corner, the feature that spotlights talented Tennessee Valley writers reading their own prose and poetry. Today, Alan Burkett takes a trip down memory lane, revisiting the grand department stores in his hometown. He recalls a perfect day he experienced as a young boy. I spent my youth in Jacksonville, Florida, which even in the late 1960s was a sizable city. In contrast, Roosevelt Park slumbered indifferently in the middle of a bustling downtown, an unexpected grassy oasis, painted wooden benches, sprawling live oak trees, and early mid-century department stores dressed in the height of respectability, each wearing its own iconic gray facade. 12-story behemoths that stood guard over the public common. May Cohen and Company, Ivy's, Marshall Fields, and Macy's. It was a time when the stores were filled with glittering glass counters, sparkling chandeliers, and uniformed elevator operators who would politely greet me with a nod and a smile before I had the chance to say hello first. Some 50 years later, I still remember a very special day. May Cohen was having a basement sale. I wasn't exactly sure what that meant. We didn't have a basement, but Mom seemed awfully excited about acquiring one. It's all she talked about for weeks. I wondered how we would get it home in her Ford white LTD with the green vinyl top. Granted, it was a big car, but not big enough to hold a basement. We arrived before the doors opened, along with hundreds of women who were dressed in pale-tailored skirts, short boxy jackets, and matching pillbox hats. Young children dragged along almost as an afterthought. The doors opened, and I tried to keep up with Mom. Not being very tall back then, I was hit in the face by dozens of plastic-pointed handbags as the ladies, perched precariously upon practiced high hills, rushed into the store. A wake of vultures picked over an expansive carcass of clothing, jewelry, and other notions. Polite vultures dressed in their best, wearing pearls, and throwing sharp, well-moisturized elbows toward their competitors, each focused singularly upon their prey. After a couple of hours, Mom was apparently pleased with the treasure she had found, and we left, only to go to Ivy's, the stone-faced department store next door. Surprisingly enough, she gave me free reign of the place. Her only stipulation was to meet her back at the front lobby at noon. It was an adventure. I went from floor to floor, making friends with anyone who would chat with me. For some reason, the 12th floor was dedicated to appliances. As a kid, this made no sense to me. Why have the heavy stuff on the top floor instead of the bottom one? It takes a lot more work to get it downstairs instead of just rolling it out the back door. The elevator operator didn't know either. Suppose it has something to do with marketing, he said, still smiling. The fourth floor was totally cool and where I spent most of my time. Racks of clothing for young adults lit by black lights with posters of Simon and Garfunkel hanging on the walls and their music playing in the background. I lost myself in an imaginary world, playing my own game of hide-and-seek within round racks of bell-bottom jeans and tie-dyed tunics, alluring clothing I wasn't allowed to wear. I was late meeting Mom in the lobby, but she didn't seem to mind. We walked outside and took a few narrow marble steps down from street level to enter Woolworths, which was nearly buried beneath the department store above. 
Mom ordered two submarine sandwiches and two bottles of Coca-Cola with white paper straws. We took our lunch and Mom's packages to a bench on the edge of Roosevelt Park. She reapplied her lipstick. I unwrapped my sandwich and took a bite. It's still the most delicious bite of food I've ever taken. I looked at the stone buildings, backward toward the park, across to my mom, and at the pigeons near our feet. She warned me not to feed them because they would just poop on the sidewalk. When she wasn't looking, I managed to throw them a few scraps. One of the pigeons did poop a few minutes later, right in front of me, thrusting its head back and forth, apparently proud of its accomplishment. And I knew in that one delightful moment that the world could not be more perfect. After retiring from a career in the defense industry as a senior intelligence analyst, Alan Burkett turned to writing fiction. He's currently working on his first novel. You can hear Alan's story again, along with all the past Sundial stories and poems, by visiting our archives online at WLRH.org. Just click on Sundial under the Shows and Podcast tab right there on the homepage. And we'll bring you another new episode every Monday morning at 9 o'clock here on 89.3 Huntsville Public Radio.